Hello, hello. Welcome into Step Up today. Um, I got my boy Ryan with me as always. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing pretty swell myself. How are you holding? Good, good. A uh, lot going on today. A lot to talk about. Uh, I'm super excited to go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, first things first, we have Wisconsin getting upset today. Um, Illinois beat them 24 to 23 off a game-winning field goal. Um, do you think do you think Wisconsin was looking ahead past this game to Ohio State next week? I I really feel as if they were, but it was a situation where this was their playoff hopes going out the window with a loss mm-hmm. like this to Illinois. Um, if they were really looking forward to that game against Ohio State next week, they would have made a statement against this Illinois team today, and it actually won by that. 30-point margin that they were supposed to instead of losing by a field goal or by yeah. a point a field goal as time expired, basically. Yeah, and it was it was definitely shocking. I, I honestly, I didn't even start watching the game until the second half because I thought it was over and done with when the game even started. But um, I, I'm sure just like every other college football fan out there today, Jonathan Taylor, um, he didn't do as good as his other games. 28 carries. Um, uh, actually, a low for him. He only had 132 yards and one touchdown today, which I know sounds good for an NFL running back. But a call it, you know, a Heisman hopeful going against this Illinois defense. I mean, they're three and four right now after today. I mean, do you think he was a little off today? Uh, I definitely foresee it being a little off, and it was just great game planning overall by Illinois. Um, coaching staff definitely had their side very well prepared for this game against Wisconsin. And in a college sense, they were able to give Jonathan Taylor a very underwhelming game, and I, I think it really puts a damper on him being a Heisman hopeful this year. Yeah, and, and same here. I mean, I understand you, you know – Football is a team sport, but, I mean, to me, against a team like this, especially a run-heavy offense, you definitely got to put the team on your back a little bit more. Um, We have some other great games today. Clemson getting another slow start against Louisville in the first half. I mean, a good, a good strong second half to win 45 to 10. But what, what is it that this team can't figure out to get into a fast start right away? Uh, I'm honestly not too sure what the exact issue very well may be because Clemson definitely has a squad to compete again this year. And it's the reason why they keep having these slow starts. And in some cases, they just had a slow game. Uh, Texas A&M, they had a slow game. Against North Carolina, they had a slow game. Um, And that gives me reason to believe. And even Tim Tebow came out and said to himself that Clemson has a great chance of falling out of the top four, not making the playoffs this year. I think they personally may lose two games this season, one in the regular season. They might even lose the ACC championship on a limb. Yeah, and I I definitely agree. Um, Definitely agree to that. They just need to be more prepared, more blood-heavy like they were last season. I just don't see that killer instinct, Um, especially the the defensive line after losing everyone they did last year to the draft. Um, Definitely need to see a little bit more out of Dabo preparing his team. I understand you're going against a team like Louisville, but still, I mean, this is your competition right now. So to to me, to show that you're the reigning national championship, you need to show that you're killing teams to play against Alabama and LSU and Ohio State. And that's the reason why LSU was able to jump them after the win against Florida. Yeah, and to me, there's an argument this week that Ohio State should even jump them after blowing out Northwestern last night. So 
Um, we'll definitely see on, you know, Sunday at one o'clock, but um, be interesting. Oh, absolutely. And I, I agree. I think Ohio State should probably jump up to that three spot and make a case uh, for Clemson to hit that four seed. Yeah. But um, we have other games going on right now as the podcast is flowing. Um, LSU beat Mississippi, Mississippi State 6 nothing. Um, Washington beating Oregon right now 14 to 7. And SMU, of course, up 10 nothing against Temple. Um, SMU undefeated, of course, so far this year. And then also we do have Baylor winning 7-6 to six against Oklahoma State. Um, these are actually some good games to watch. Baylor, SMU, both undefeated teams. Um, and, of course, Oregon-Washington, the rivalry in the Pac-12 there, also a good game to watch. But I'm interested to see if LSU keeps the gas on the pedal instead of taking it off to show a statement game today against Mississippi State in order to prepare for Auburn next week. And they, they definitely need to. It's kind of like a similar situation with Wisconsin where you're coming off that win against a previous ranked seven seed Florida. Um, be it that the Gators were not at full strength. Obviously, missing Franks has kind of put a damper on that Gators offense, yeah. um, even though they are still playing great football. But that just shows that you could use quarterbacks there. It is, it is a system that is meant for that. Um, so if I'm LSU and I'm Ed Orgeron, I'm keeping on the gas this week against Mississippi State to keep proving that LSU is a potential contender this year. If not, then I'd really start to question if they actually have a chance against Auburn next week. Yeah, and even Alabama the following week. So I understand uh, maybe, you know, maybe Burrow, you just – I think you put the gas on the first half. Give your starters a little break in the second half just to have an early preparation because you have two really good weeks the next next couple of weeks for LSU. Exactly. And against uh, a game with Mississippi State where it is an SEC matchup. So, you know, for the most part, you would assume that it is going to be another, you know, tougher matchup just as all SEC games seem to be. Um, but if I'm Joe Burrow, I keep, you know, increasing my Heisman resume. He has the most passing touchdowns in the FBS this year. Yeah. And not even your Heisman. I mean, your draft stock, too, as well. So I, I definitely don't think you let the gas up if you're Joe Burrow, especially on that offense. And he has been clicking on all cylinders this year, too. So I, I've been really impressed with this LSU team. I'm excited for that LSU-Auburn game. That, that and the Wisconsin-Ohio State game are two game of the weeks next week. Um, moving into Kentucky and Georgia, this game at 6, six o'clock Eastern time. Um, Georgia hosting Kentucky. How do you uh, – do you think Georgia bounces back this week and sets a statement game that, you know, they are a title contender? Or do you think it's just the same predictable offense we've seen so far this whole season? I'm expecting another predictable offensive scenario for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I'm expecting this game to be a little sloppier than we've seen from them, being with the tropical storm actually coming through the area. Uh, so mm -hmm. expect to see a lot of ground football. Um but I'm expecting them to bounce back this week. I, I do expect them to beat Kentucky with the game being in Athens, Georgia. Um, it, it's something that they definitely need to do, especially after the heartbreak last week against South Carolina. Uh, a couple yep. missed field goals wound up putting a damper on you know the season basically for them. And it, that loss against South Carolina really showed to me that Georgia is not all that this year. And – through a couple miscues from Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame probably should have won that football game earlier in the year as well. Yeah, and that, that was another game in Athens. So it seems like the home field advantage isn't even working for this team right now. Um, 
I, I do expect Georgia to bounce back. I expect it to be a close game, especially with the sloppy weather, like you said, run football. Um, Kentucky with a dual-threat quarterback they have. I think they run it a little bit better than Georgia. Just Georgia's defense, I think, steps up big today for them, and I, I think the defense wins it for them today in a close one. And that's what needs to happen if they want to potentially make a case to make it to the uh, SEC championship game. Yep. And so now let's go ahead and uh, jump in our game of the week. We have um, 16, uh, 16 ranked Michigan Wolverines with Penn State hosting them. Number seven, uh, Penn State undefeated this year. Um, what do you expect out of Michigan? You know, Michigan has a couple. They're only one loss to uh, undefeated Iowa team who was undefeated at the time. But if they win this game and they beat an undefeated Notre Dame team next week, they could potentially, you know, Jim Harbaugh could turn his whole career around this whole year. But um, what do you expect out of this game tonight? This is going to have to be a huge, and I can't stress this enough, huge statement from Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this game is at Penn State, uh, so it will not be in the big house. So it's going to be a little difficult. But since Joe Pot actually departed from Penn State, they really have not been that same dynamic football team, whereas we've seen a lot of dynamic players come out of there, being a Saquon Barkley and a Miles Sanders over the past couple of years, just to name a couple. Um, they still are playing decent enough football to keep themselves in a top 10 scenario week in and week out, and they do – know how to actually bring it down to crunch time and hold out in some of these games. Um, I think Iowa's only loss did come from Penn State, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, no, yep. And th- this is just – if Michigan wants to actually compete and meet Ohio State in a Big Ten championship game, they need to win this game against Penn State tonight. Yeah, and they, they definitely do, especially to me um, – so this is Penn State's wideout game of the year. So that crowd is going to be ten times more electrified than they ever are. Um, to me, if you, Jim Harbaugh, you have to win this game. I think this is, to me, there's no more excuses. You have your recruits on the football field right now. Um, everyone you recruited, there's no one from the past years before you were there. I think it's time for you to step in, make a statement. Other, because if not, I think your head coaching job. I don't think you're worth. $7 million if you lose this game and then you lose Notre Dame and I think they'll lose Ohio State. I mean, that's four losses this year. I'm not paying someone $7 million to deliver me four losses with not even a Big Ten championship yet. I mean, it, I, to me, it's just unbelievable that this guy may still even have a job next year. So, Jim Harbaugh, to me, his job is definitely in jeopardy for this I, whole game. I, I agree. I think he is kind of in the hot seat, especially with these next couple of fixtures coming up for him. Uh Definitely watch out for a potential job loss by Jim Harbaugh, potential job opening for the Michigan Wolverines football team. Uh, just with what we have seen in the past couple seasons from Michigan, they have played electric football, but they cannot win the big games, and it's been a consistent pattern for that football team. Yep, and and I, I definitely agree. Um, definitely need to see some fire out of Shea Patterson tonight, too. Um, let, me, let me go ahead and get your uh, – who is your lock for this game for tonight? Who, who, are you going with the, um, the Penn State or are you going with the Wolverines tonight? I'm, I'm going to go with the Homestead and the Nittany Lions tonight. Um, I think the whiteout is actually just going to be a little too extensive for the Wolverines. 
Um, I just have not seen them play overly impressive football this year at all, Michigan. Uh, they even had to go into, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been double overtime against Army. And Army wound up losing off of a missed field goal and uh, regulation is wound up what happening. And I, I really was hoping that field goal was going to go in. I'm one who I like to see upsets. Um, just, you know, barring I don't necessarily have a favorite in terms of college football, but it – I just think the home atmosphere for Penn State is going to provide exactly what they're needing, and they're going to play, use a pun here, whites out football against the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, just to correct, uh, the Michigan's only loss was to Wisconsin this year. Oh, no, I was um, saying the Army. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. But um, to, me, I, to me, I just I have no confidence in this Michigan team anymore. Um, not, none at all. To me, Shea Patterson is not to, – to me, I don't even think he should be the starting quarterback for Michigan. I think Michigan could do a lot better in finding a better quarterback. Um, tonight, I'm expecting Penn State. K, K.J. Hamler, he's leading the whole Big Ten in yards um, per catch with 17 and a half. Sean Clifford's only turned the ball over twice this whole year. Um, I, I expect Penn State, the number three rush defense in the nation – to shut down Michigan, make Shea Patterson throw the ball, who is contagious and making mistakes. I think he makes a lot of mistakes tonight. I think the crowd is too loud for him, and I think Penn State actually beats the spread tonight of seven points. I think they win by double, uh, two touchdowns tonight. I can definitely foresee that happening myself. So that, so definitely that'll probably be the game to watch tonight just because um, I expect Alabama to roll over Tennessee tonight. So not really a game to watch there. Um, I think most fans will be by halftime in that one. Yeah, I agree. And obviously, of course, unless you happen to be a Crimson Tide fan, which as they've, you know, grown recent success over the years, we've seen a lot of, you know, more people hopping on the back of the wagon. Uh, yeah. But it happens with every team. So if you're a Crimson Tide fan, obviously you're going to enjoy the stomping they're going to produce in Tennessee tonight. Um, but we would also love to see an upset in that sense too. At least I would. Yeah. Myself. Nothing, nothing better to me than an Alabama losing. So, uh, would love, would actually love an upset. But um, I think, I think uh, moving on from college football, let's let's go ahead and talk about these uh, the MLB playoffs. We have the Yankees and Astros um, last night. Yankees ended up winning four to one. Um, Yankees started off sloppy though. With uh, in the first inning, they had a wild pitch and a pass ball that led Springer to score. But then the Yankees in the bottom of the first, I mean, they had two home runs, including um, including Aaron Hicks with a three-run homer. Um, Verlander got, to me, got destroyed last night. Is this new life for New York City right now? I think it could potentially be new life for New York City. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think both games the Yankees have won have come against Justin Verlander while he was on the mound. Uh, I, I believe so, yes. So that, that makes me question whether or not if Verlander has what it takes to keep going in the postseason, even though he is a phenomenal pitcher and he was season long this year. But it, to me, it really looked like a mixture last night. Yankees bats were kind of, you know, they were lighting up, but this was a desperation game for them where they needed those bats to light up uh, for what's potentially going to be the last game in the Bronx. Um so it, it, it's really a mixture. Uh, I want to see, just depending on who they're going to throw in the bullpen tonight, whether it's Zach Granke, if it's Garrett Cole, you can just toss the Yankees' chances out the window. 16-0 in their last 16 starts when Garrett Cole pitches the Astros. Um, 
So it so this just end, Brad Peacock, a reliever for the Astros, will be starting pitching. Uh, it's still undecided for the Yankees as of right now. That to me, that looks as if the Astros have a lot of confidence in what they're going to do tonight. Um, yeah, I I actually just with that confidence, I can kind of foresee them winning this game in a close bout. Uh, but really do not be surprised if the New York Yankees actually take this game to seven or series to seven games. Yeah. And um, I can definitely see this going to seven. Um, after last night's game, you have both managers um, scrambling. Um, I think this is going to be one of the biggest pitching matchups that we've ever seen tonight. I think who, whichever coach uses their bullpen best is going to win this game tonight, just because, we're not seeing the aces. We're not seeing Garrett Cole. And um, we're not seeing Garrett Cole. Verlander, of course, you know, pitched last night. And we won't – so, to me, it's just – it's really what's left in the bullpen at this point. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more towards the Yankees. I think they have new life. I think getting the bats going last night. Um, this team is known for their rallies in MLB history – Tonight might just be another one. Um, I don't see him winning the series, but I see them forcing a game seven, um, which I think Garrett Cole will win that game seven. But to me, I, I think I'm going to go Yankees tonight in a close one. I, I, I like your take on it, and the momentum definitely seems to have been shifted in favor of the Bronx Bombers. Um, but it, it it's going to be a real close matchup and just me personally, I would like to take the Astros in this game, especially with all the rest that the nationals are getting. Um, if they're really going to want to compete and that's why I believe they're starting Peacock tonight. So that way they can go ahead and have a Garrett Cole or a Granky ready for game one of the world series. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I would love to see the Astros win, but, I mean, one team's got to win. I got the Yankees. Ryan's got the Astros. That game's at 8 o'clock Eastern tonight. So, if you're not a college football fan, you definitely got a great playoff matchup tonight. That is going to be more than just skill. You're going to have to see the strategies of each managers for the team. I definitely recommend everyone flip back and forth between the Michigan-Penn State game and this Yankees-Astros game. Have one channel on last, and once it hits commercial break, you better swap to the other. Yeah. Exactly, and I'll be doing the same thing. So I, I, I personally cannot wait. Um, moving into uh, NBA, a lot has happened over this week that we we had a great uh, Monday discussion about NBA, but it seems like it's a whole new world now. Um, Zion Williamson, number one pick in the draft, um, goes down with another the same knee injury that from college and in the preseason, who is now expected to be out about three to four weeks to start the season. Can can this? It, is this something to be seriously worried about if you're the Pelicans? I mean, it doesn't seem to me like he can even sustain an 82-game season. If I'm the Pelicans, it, you really don't want to have that worry in the back of your mind. But if, like I said, if I'm the Pelicans, I do have worry in the back of my mind because this is the reason why you shut Zion down in the preseason was to prevent something like this happening. And sure enough, it winds up happening. And I take that back. It was in the summer league when it happened, when they shot him down and it wound up happening again in the preseason. But yes, yes. It, 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 it's something where I question his longevity, not only for a season's worth of time, but for his career's worth of time, because mm -hmm. you can only sustain so many minute injuries to one particular area before it becomes a serious issue. 
And I, I can really say this just from experience with myself, injuries of my own, it adds up over time and it does become an issue. So Pelicans, you really need to, you know, meter and monitor this whole Zion situation. And I think it, needs to be a situation where you rest him for games. You play him for a couple games, you know, his first year, get him that experience, get him some chemistry with the team, but do not put him on like an every game starting basis. Give him rest. Let make sure that knee is going to be healthy and prepared for any scenario. Do you think fans will understand that? I mean, do you think fans are, do, do you think they're going to lose money like based on games? Cause I agree with you. I definitely think they should bench Zion, but we see the outbreak when LeBron gets benched. I mean, you have all these fans on primetime games that pay to go see stars like LeBron and Kyrie, and coaches will sit them, and then you see a fan outbreak. So do you think the NBA may not – like may put a number on it, like to the Pelicans, like you got to play Zion or things like that? Or do you think – do you think they just don't worry about the fans? You just got to plan for the future. I, it, it's it's more than a game, and it's just one thing that a lot of fans just really cannot get a good grasp of, and I understand that concept. You want to see your number one pick play. You want to see potentially the best player since LeBron James coming out of uh, you know high school or college actually play for your team. Uh, Pelicans only had like a 4 to 6% chance of actually getting that number one pick. They got it. They got their guy in Zion Williams, Williamson, and it it's somewhere – where if the coaches are smart, they're going to rest him. It, it really should not matter. Just with jersey sales alone, you're going to make money. I guarantee Zion probably has top five sales in the NBA right now when it comes to his jerseys. He's going to have his own shoes coming out soon. They're going to be making money through that. He'll be making money through that. But if he gets seriously injured, that revenue is going to go out the window. Mm-hmm. And And – Again, I, I agree. Um, to me, I, I think there's more of a question mark on Zion now. Um, Zion, he, he's electrifying, but to me, he, it's just his – he's so electrifying that I think his weight isn't going to keep up with it. I think he actually needs some gym time to actually lose a little bit of weight because the guy jumps so high, dunks so hard that his knees might not be able to take it years to come. And it, I mean, is is he too explosive for how his body weight is? There, there's something that I've noticed as a common theme in the past couple of years with players of this, you know, stature. We've seen it with LeBron James. Joel Embiid did it this offseason, uh, just to name it, you know, two couple all-stars. They've realized the detrimental effects it actually has of being that weight and being the types of players that they are. Embiid himself cut 20 to 25 pounds in this offseason for the sake of his knees and his back. We saw LeBron cut 25 pounds for the sake of the longevity of his career. Zion, get with one of these guys or get with their trainers. I understand you're just getting into the league. You might need to lose some baby fat still, but if you want to actually keep playing in this league, which is becoming very, you know, very, very aggressive again, it seems, in terms of the actual competition – you know, a lot of teams are getting a lot of good players and actually, you know, competing um, compared to, you know, only being just like the Spurs or, you know, whoever it may be from the Eastern Conference or the Warriors or whoever it may be from the Eastern Conference. Um, you, you're going to need to cut this weight 
to actually make sure and ensure you can stay healthy for a longer period of time. Otherwise, your your career will go out the window. So if you are if you're Zion Williamson and if you're um if if you're in the Pelicans front office, I mean, do you if you're David Griffin, do you shut down Zion early this year if you have no playoff hopes? Is it at a point to where maybe you just need Maybe he needs, you know, maybe he takes a Ben Simmons type second half of the season. If this knee doesn't get better, you have no playoff hopes. I mean, maybe he needs, maybe he needs a longer time off to lose that weight, you know, to to get back in the shape of things. Do, do you think that's a good idea? Something the Pelicans should look out for. And I am all for that. I really am, uh, and I'm glad you did bring up the Ben Simmons situation. Um, him just, you know, taking that time off. And he's been, you know, phenomenal. Obviously, you know, he's been working on his shooting, but he's still an all-star Ben Simmons. Uh, and he did take that time off to go ahead and get healthy. Um, I still want to see Zion get some minutes this year, but do not overload this kid with minutes because it just does not deem as if he will be healthy all season. Yeah, and and I, I hope the best for him. I'm a big Zion fan myself. Uh, I love the explosive. I'm a big Lonzo fan too. The fact that he's shying himself away from, you know, his dad, LeVar, and his crazy self. Um, you know, I got all the hope in the world for this team, especially a leader like J.J. Redick. Uh, really hope to see the Pelicans hopefully make a playoff push. Um, speaking of playoff pushes, are the Warriors going to make the playoffs this year? Um, Jay Williams, one of the best ESPN basketball analysts out there, d- did not have them in his top eight. I mean, are there eight teams really better than the Warriors? I can I can see it happening, the Warriors missing the playoffs for the fact of, one, they're really missing the help of a big man. Two, they really do not have the help on the bench that they've had these past five years. And I think just with those two reasons alone, it's going to be hard for them to compete. Like, we've seen the league expand out, and in that sense being it's become a three-point shooter's league. But if you can't play bully ball underneath the basket and if you can't attack the basket, that's going to be at least half of your points a game that are going to be cut. And that's going to be very detrimental. We've seen very great poise come out of the Western Conference. Um, I am one to where, you know, just they have, you know, the necessary means in their starting lineup to where they probably should make the playoffs. But it would not be surprising if the Warriors missed the playoffs. And a lot of these players are probably looking for extra rest and I'm sure they still want to get more rings and whatnot, but I also believe they would love to have an off season to themselves and their families. Uh, and I agree with that. I, to me, I just, I understand the shopping of you need a big man. I don't think they need to shop D'Angelo Russell right now, though. I, I don't think you do that with the absence of Clay Thompson, because to me, D'Angelo Russell can be a non ball dominant player to play along just like Clay Thompson did. I think he's going to learn more and more with the leader Steph Curry is of that team. But you're right. I mean, the post game is a problem. And to me, the biggest question I have from the offseason is Andre Iguodala. I, to me, you let go of one of your best defenders. I understand the age, but Andre Iguodala showed no signs of slowing down to me this year. I mean, he does get injured every now and then, needs a little bit more rest. But one of your best defenders now, you leave him with Steph Curry, who isn't that great a defender on the Warriors team. So, to me, that's a big question mark. But 
Again, you have the trade rumors with Andre Drummond being traded for D'Angelo Russell. To me, I just I, – I understand the trade, but I, I just think D'Angelo Russell is a great addition to this Warriors team to the point where I think it takes a little pressure off of Steph Curry. So I, I understand um, a little more going in the playoff talks. Who needs to prove themselves more this year? Is it Steve Kerr or is it Steph Curry? It's going to be Steph Curry. Um, I, Steve Kerr has kind of yeah, – yes, he did kind of come into a Mark Jackson-made scenario, but you still need to be able to coach the team. Um, the one situation where a coach built up a team and wound up not finishing and it wound up kind of being a flop, even though that team won a Super Bowl, was the John Gruden-led Tampa Bay Bucks, where that team was built by Tony Dungy. However, Steve Kerr has what it takes. We've seen him, you know, do real great with development with some of these young players, like a Quinn Cook, who does now happen to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um and he, it's not so much Steve Kerr, it's so much that Steph Curry needs to step up, be that superstar that we know he is, because we've seen in the finals. He, he hasn't won a finals MVP just yet, um, and he's kind of been lackluster in those bigger games. So you, you do need to perform a little bit better, Stephen Curry, and at this point in your career, be a role model for this team to help propel them back into the postseason. And I agree, but... Last thing, I mean, I'm so high on D'Angelo Russell. Is this – if he if he does stay with the Warriors this year, how much better does he get – this guy has never had – you know, he's never had a leader. He had Kobe Bryant his first year, a dying Kobe Bryant, but this is his first time playing with an all-star point guard. How much better can he get learning from, you know, the all-time Steph Curry, the first unanimous MVP? I think it can really help propel his game a lot because Steph Curry has just a little bit of everything to it. Uh, we've seen Steph Curry play defense. Steph Curry, we, we just know his offense is out of this world. He can dribble the ball. He can get to the basket. He can shoot from anywhere on the floor. It does not matter where he's shooting from. He's in the parking lot in his Ferrari, and he's hitting threes. It's ridiculous. Um, D'Angelo Russell can learn a lot and improve his you know, general skill set. And I love D'Angelo Russell. He did come into his own last year in Brooklyn. Unfortunately, there was a, situ- a situation at an airport where he got caught with some drugs and that kind of got him sent off the Brooklyn Nets, which, you know, allowed them to make the necessary room for Kyrie and KD. But D'Angelo Russell, I think, will help keep this team in the situation where they will actually still make it into the playoffs. And, and I, I definitely agree with you there. So final, so final answer, do you have the Warriors before the season starts on, on Monday? Do you have this team making the playoffs this year right now? I do, but I have them only as high as a four seed. And, I, okay, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think Steve Kerr is going to have a little bit – I want to see more out of Steve Kerr because Mark Jackson, he did make this team. And Steve Kerr, to me – he got Kevin, you know, he, he got gift and a gift and a gift. And now, you know, you got Cole this year. Santa didn't like you this year. So to me, I need to see the fact that how good of a coach you are. You know, you were coach of the year two years in a row. I, I, I want to see the potential and you have to lead this team that I think very well can make the playoffs. I don't think there's eight teams better than the Warriors. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I want to see you get this team ready. 
for the NBA playoffs for another hopeful, you know, championship run that I don't think they have, but I think they can stir up trouble in the playoffs. So I definitely expect the Warriors to be there 100%. And one player who's going to need to make a great role for himself is going to be Kevin Looney for that uh, Warriors big men crew. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's going to have to learn more and more from Draymond Green. Draymond is going to have to leave this team to be more defensive in order to battle in that Western Conference. Uh, Moving on, uh, breaking news today. um, Pascal Siakam signed a $130 million deal extension with the Raptors for four years. Let's be honest. Was this worth it? Not for that much. I understand. Um, you know, he did kind of come into his own. He was a most improved player. Um, I personally think the most improved player should have went to D'Angelo Russell, but that's just me. Uh, it It's somewhere where they were – they could have used that money to get other assets to help, you know, maybe propel them back into the NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference because, you know, aside from – Lowry, I, I, I'm just was never really a huge fan of him, and I'm still not. Van Vliet probably needs to be starting over him. Yeah. The absence of Kawhi is going to be huge. Siask, uh, Siakam, I, I think he has a chance to you know help keep this team in contention, but him himself in the future, I just don't foresee it being enough. Um, they really, I'm repeating myself with this, they could have used a lot of that money to get a lot of good players, especially in next year's uh, free agency, where we're going to have a couple big names that are going to be out there. Um, but instead, you go ahead and you take this hit to your salary cap now for uh, you know getting one guy. What if he happens to underperform this season and takes a regression year because of the absence of Kawhi Leonard? What if that yeah. was the reason as to why his game was propelled so much? We, do, we will, obviously won't know until the season starts, but it's a huge gamble by the Raptors. To me, um, to me, this is definitely a future signing. I think the Raptors see um, Siakam as their future centerpiece. I just don't see it. I mean, he, he did have potential last year, but this is a guy that can't – he didn't guard – he can't guard a best player on a team. We saw it in the year before Kawhi got there. He can't – you know, he can't guard LeBron. He can't guard Giannis. He can't guard Ben Simmons. You know, he can't guard these guys. So, to me, it's just – you overpaid for a guy that Kawhi made look a little better than what he is. I understand his shots getting better, but I just I've never seen someone go from underrated to overrated so quickly by a signing. Um, that's that that's honestly just the way I see it. Um, I I expect what you said. I expected if you're gonna sign a guy like Siakam, you need to let him understand that we need more pieces around you to be a championship contender because if paying Siakam this much money, you're not a contender to the 76ers. You're, you know, you're not a contender to the Nets when Durant comes back next year. Or even that, I don't even think they're a contender against the Celtics. I think the Celtics are going to be better than what the Raptors bring to the table and even the Bucks. So to me, the signing, um, it just didn't, it didn't make you a top team in the East. It, you know, it kept you away from signing more free agents next year, which I agree with. But um, I just, I just don't like it. I think it was a little overpaid for, for Siakam, honestly. Um, Couldn't agree more. So moving in, one guy that hasn't signed a contract yet who is waiting, um, 
Buddy Heel for the Sacramento Kings is looking um, doesn't think $90 million's enough. Do you agree with him? I don't agree with him, actually. This is a young kid who has a fantastic skill set. But if you take this 90 mil on the, uh, I want, what was it? It was three or five years that it was proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you take the 90 mil on that, by the time your contract is up and you've made your $90 million, you are in the middle of your prime. You were guaranteed a max contract extension with any team in the league at that point with how good Buddy Heald actually is. I think really what this shows us is he is selfish and he just wants money at this point. Um, I, I feel like it probably has to do with him being in Sacramento, but I don't foresee him getting more money anywhere else he goes. That was a fantastic offer by the Kings to help him get his career out a little bit, try to make a better name for himself and be the leader of that Sacramento Kings team. And like I said, by the time he hit the middle of his prime and this contract was up, he'd probably be making double that LeBron James-esque money with his skill set. And I agree. And to me, the the threat of leaving um, – so I I love Buddy Heald's game. I do. Um, he, to me, he's a lockdown shooter, plays great defense for the Kings. But he is right that in a fact that free agents don't want to go to Sacramento. I mean, and he went there. So – to me, I understand. To me, it seems a little bit more loyalty for him. I do think the ninety million is a good deal for Buddy Heald, but to me, I just don't understand why you would want to leave this team. I mean, the the Kings to me are going to be the eighth seed this year. I mean, you have Buddy Heald, uh, Boganovich, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Guy, national champion for Virginia. I mean. You, you have Trevor Ariza on there now, Harry Giles. I mean, and you have Corey Joseph, who was on the Raptors last year. So, to me, you have you have one of the greatest young rosters there. I mean, Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, none of them are over 25. I mean, or none of them are over 26. I mean, to me, I, I just don't understand why you would want to leave this team. It's just kind of falling back into the sense of him just being, you know, a pocketbook chaser. He wants that big check. He wants to get a bag, but you need to get the bag with your skill set first before you actually get the bag. Um, And it's kind of the same thing, you know, in like a daily working scene too. You got to prove yourself, you know, obviously to your job and whatnot and actually get that, you know, raise. So this is somewhere – where Buddy Heald, he would have been comfortable with $90 million. I know he would have been comfortable with $90 million. If you're not comfortable with $90 million, then go somewhere else. I'm sorry. Um, and when I say go somewhere else, then just don't, you're just not worth 90 at all. You're not worth a penny in my book. If you're not going to take that deal. Um, it, it's very arrogant to me that he didn't take this deal from the Kings, especially what you said with the young roster that they have and just not a smart look on Buddy Heald at all. Yeah. And, I just, to me, I just, I agreed uh, with the greed part of it. Um, Bradley Beal locking up a two-year extension right now, uh, seventy-two million on Thursday with the Wizards. Is this how I think this is huge, huge for the Wizards? Because to me, with John Wall, you know, still having the injuries, you have to sell tickets, and Bradley Beal is one of the best shooters in the league. I mean, to me, this is more of teams not going after Bradley Beal, which I think that I think the Lakers this offseason should have signed Bradley Beal or even, you know, all, you know, teams that want to compete or even the Celtics. But to me, I think this is huge, huge, huge for the Wizards. 
I'm actually happy for the organization. You know, they get their tickets selling. I love Bradley Beal. And I think it's smart on him to not go longer than two years as well. What, what, what do you think about his contract, Ryan? I, I agree that it's smart that he did not go for anything more than two years. Um, I think John Wall is actually on his way out of Washington. And it was a smart move by Scott Brooks and co to actually you know, make Bradley Beal the one that they extended. He's seriously one of the best two-way players that I think we've actually seen in recent years in NBA history. And even in John Wall's absence, Bradley Beal still had the poise to make this team propel into the playoffs. And it, it, it obviously, they're dynamic when they're both on the court. But when we've seen John Wall on the court compared to Bradley Beal on the court, I see more floor general in Bradley Beal than I do in John Wall. And I, I trust the ball more in Bradley Beal than I do with John Wall. I, I agree with that, too. I, I think Bradley Beal has more of the points to make the right decision as to what needs to be done uh, compared to John Wall, where he just he's as if one where he needs to have the ball in his hands. Yeah. And – and I definitely agree. Again, I'm I'm so happy for Bradley Beal. Again, one of my favorite players to watch. Um, happy for the Wizards organization too. Just so you know, just so they're not more like Charlotte Hornets is where you don't have anyone to watch on the floor. So <laughs> poor definitely, Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, definitely poor Michael <laughs> Jordan. But um, uh, moving on more to NBA news, uh, I had this interesting thought today after watching you know Zion go down and. Anthony Davis reportedly having um, ankle injury last week. Do, should the NBA preseason does it need to start being treated like the NFL preseason to where we, you know, we see guys like Tom Brady one quarter and then he's out, but we don't see him. You know, he doesn't take sex. He doesn't get hit. Or we saw a couple years ago, um, you know, guys keep getting injured in preseason. Should, should this, should they should stars be kept off the court during NBA preseason for now on? I don't think entirely, but for the majority, yes, I agree. For the instance that we've seen someone like Anthony Davis tweak his ankle, um, I don't want to bring you know the whole Zion thing into it because he is a rookie. He's going to need that playing time. But if he's hurt, obviously you just you don't play him until he's actually healthy and ready to go. Uh, but even so, like LeBron, he's playing almost every single minute, it seems like, for the Lakers in this preseason. And he had a very bad groin injury last year. That if He probably would have been healthy the whole season. I see the Lakers being an eight seed at least last year. Um, but And he's taking, you know, he's playing a lot of minutes already. He's, you know, making, you know, putting his body on the line already. I've seen him hit the deck pretty hard a couple of times. And someone where he's at the age that he's at, LeBron James, I don't think he really needs to be going all out. And he needs to let a lot of this younger core actually get chemistry with one another and propel themselves because we've seen it time and time again. And I can understand the main reason as to why LeBron's doing something like this. It's because he's the head coach of every team he plays for. Yeah. And I I definitely agree with you. Um, I do think – I don't think NBA stars – should be playing as much as they do for preseason. Um, I think it's good because it gets us excited for the season, but at the same time, no one wants to see a star go down at all, and it would just be bad for the NBA in general. Um, speaking of the break of the Lakers and bringing up LeBron, 
we saw their last game against the Warriors. Um, two behind-the-back passes, one from LeBron, one from Rondo, uh, out to the three-point line for Danny Green. Um, and then we see a little JaVale McGee fake injury come back in for the dunk. Is this Jason Kidd we're seeing, do you think, with these passes and this ball movement through the Lakers? I think it's a mixture of LeBron and Jason Kidd because we have seen some – and honestly, it's a mixture of LeBron, Jason Kidd, and Rajon Rondo because all of them have that toolbox around their waist where they're pulling tricks out of that bag. Um, yep. We've seen it throughout all of their careers. All of them have just phenomenal passers, needle-threading passes, Magic Johnson-esque passes. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I can actually see a coaching change happening where Frank Vogel goes out and Jason Kidd works his way up. But at that point, it becomes LeBron James' team again. Um, so where Frank Vogel is at, I feel as if he is the head coach, not LeBron James. Um, but it, I, the addition of Jason to assist with this offense already seems as if it's going to propel this team to where they need to be to win an NBA championship. Yep, and I, I definitely agree. We So – we are definitely going to get more into our NBA pre-talk for opening night on Tuesday. Uh, Pel- the Raptors having their championship ceremony, their ring ceremony against the Pelicans, which Zion will not be playing in. And then um, Lakers uh, hosted by the Clippers that night, too, on Tuesday night. So definitely catch us on Monday for a lot of NBA talk. Um, our winners of the East and West, the winners of the night too as well, and what to look out for for the upcoming season. Um, speaking of tomorrow, tomorrow we have a lot of NFL to go through. We have our Thursday our Thursday night recap, um, Dallas versus Eagles. That's our game of the week. Uh, Mahomes' injury and what it means for the Chiefs, and is, Kaeper- is Kaepernick a question for the Chiefs right now? Um, also – find out who our step up is going to be tomorrow and let's go ahead Ryan who is your step up for today my step up for today is going to be the Michigan Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh they need to prove tonight and step up that they have what it takes to compete in the Big Ten and actually show poise to push for a national championship. Otherwise, Jim Harbaugh, seat's getting hotter. Eventually, it's going to be ejecto Cito, cuz, and you're gone. <laughs> ejecto Cito, you hear that, Jim? Uh, I definitely agree with you there. Michigan, this is a must-win game for you tonight. You have to go in uh, full, um, full hearts, clear eyes. You've got to go in. You have got to win this game against Penn State tonight especially for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, To me, I'm going to go in the baseball direction. I think the Astros' bullpen is our step-up winner for today as well. Um, This bullpen, has they got killed uh, last night, and it wasn't really that close either. It was just bad pitching all around from what I saw. So today, I think this is more of a must-win game for the Astros too because I I, I don't really want to see a game. I mean, you had the trust in Garrett Cole for game seven, but – it's the two best words in sports, and you never know what is going to happen. So tonight, Astros bullpen, you have got to go in. You have got to win this game against the Yankees. Go get that Go get that World Series win over the Nationals, which I think will happen. So Astros got to step up tonight. 
Absolutely. And if the Yankees do happen to take this game and push it into game seven, the momentum is all in the favor of those Bronx Bombers for game seven. Yep. And it'll definitely be a great game seven if we do get to see one. Uh, Definitely can't wait to see that. Uh, Again, just want to let everyone know, catch us tomorrow. Um, Episode will be least before game time with game picks, what to watch out for for everything tomorrow. Um, Ryan, always a pleasure doing this, man. Can't wait for tomorrow just to, you know, be at the the debate table, talk up some football all day. Yes, sir. I cannot wait. And as always, your boys from Step Up, we hope everybody has a great listen. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, these fantastic games tonight, and we will see you all tomorrow. All right. Y'all have a good night.